Guys, welcome back to the Built for Life podcast. I think um, we should issue an apology. (laughs) (laughs) To the fans. (laughs) To the fans that have not been able to listen to our voices for the past few weeks. To be fair, life's just been hectic, gets in the way, but we are Built for Life. That's why we're back. To be honest, it wasn't overly hectic in the sense that a lot cropped up unexpectedly. Jane was away on a very delayed honeymoon because it basically was your honeymoon anyway. I just call every holiday I go on now a honeymoon because COVID wedding and all that. <laughs> exactly. To be fair, she actually came to my wedding on holiday before she went on an actual like full-blown honeymoon. That's how, that's how honeymoon. the COVID wedding scheme went. Um, and then I've just had a few health issues and now I'm going on my honeymoon. Like It's just been fucking mental. Mental. Yeah. So we've been looking after our well-being to some extent, which we will always tell people to do, but we've still been getting the job done. We've just not been releasing top quality information to you guys. But we're back with some incredible stuff today um, because I know Jen feels very strongly about this subject. Um, So we're going to talk about people being outcome-focused. The way Jen likes to frame it is, fuck the goal. Fuck life. Fuck life after the goal. Yeah, yeah. Life's the goal. Exactly. Life is the goal. So you want to give us a wee bit more information, a wee bit more context, maybe even just like a a blanket statement of what that kind of looks like, and then we can deep dive into it. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, I've I've really um, do you know what I need to say I've really missed having this um venting outlet because I feel like <laughs> we probably use this like quite therapeutically. Um, letting people in on our stream of consciousness. Uh, we have been working on very exciting things in the background, though, that we can't talk about. So, to yeah. be fair, the, ener- the energy has been invested somewhere important. Um, all will be revealed in due course. But, um, yeah, this was actually based on... I mean, it's something I talk to people about all the time. It's something that you and I have both experienced. I think everybody experiences it, but um, I did a, a kind of bite-sized podcast on this on our private podcast uh, for the team and it was based on a question that Kev asked me at our live event. Um, so anyone who listened to the live podcasts um, will remember this question from Kev. And he had said that after he ran his first marathon, um, by the way, just for context, he ran his second marathon at the weekend, fucking Loch Ness Marathon. Um, incredible. But he had kind of asked me about that lull that you experience after achieving a big goal that you've been working towards for a really long time. And a lot of people will ask me about, like, how do I live life after the goal? Everything stops. I, I'm not keeping up the same kind of routines and behaviours. I don't feel the way that I did before. I was so disciplined. I was so fucking motivated. I had so much willpower, all that shit. Um, and you're no longer benefiting from the systems and the routines that facilitated the goal because you were focused on the outcome and didn't really decide what would happen in life after the outcome. And the thing is, is that I think a lot of us want to believe that we fallacy of this is me now, I've changed, I'm going to keep this up after and this is me and I finally broke it when you know deep down in the back of your mind you really need a fucking break for this when the goal is done, right? And I was talking about, um, we were just talking about there, like, I ran the half marathon at the weekend there, and when I ran it last year, I was so focused on only getting the goal done and out the road that I stopped running for fucking months after it because I was like, it's been taken over my life and I can't even, like, I can't even think about running again. And I stopped doing the thing that was benefiting my mental health the most, Right. And then wondered, why do I feel like shite? 
why am I struggling to re-engage with good habits? Why am I struggling to re-engage with eating well? Why am I why am I finding it so hard to get through each fucking day, right? Because I literally said, now that this goal is done, I can no longer justify doing all these things for myself and prioritizing myself. Because what happens when you prioritize a goal is you prioritize yourself. And this is the part I think that people miss so often is that there is no such thing as life after the goal. Because if you focus only on life after the goal, what do I do now? You're telling yourself that you're only worthy of prioritizing yourself when you have a goal in mind. And if there's not a goal in mind, then fuck that, you deserve nothing. And when we think about it from the concept of life being the goal, it's less about how do my outcomes define me, but how do I live in a way that facilitates the outcomes that I want to achieve? So actually, how do I live consistently this way so that when I do my next goal, it's not fucking complete and utter overhaul in my day-to-day life, but actually just something that stretches me slightly to achieve something new. And when I ran the half at the weekend, I knocked 27 minutes off my time from last year, right? Right. But do you know the weird thing is, and I know you'll get this because we are the same brand of fucking sad weirdo. Um, (laughs) See, when I crossed the finish line last year, I was so, I started crying. Like, well, you were there. uh, (laughs) (laughs) But I was so, like, overwhelmed. I was like, I can't believe that I did it. And it was this huge fucking thing. And when I crossed the finish line this time, I was didn't feeling. Right? <laughs> I was just like, "Thank fuck, that's done." And Paul, my wee, I see my wee sister, and she was so buzzing because that was her first half. And I was like, "I'm so proud of you." Blah blah blah. Paul wasn't there; she was stuck in traffic. You came to get me, and I was like, right, "Can we go now?" <laughs> like I was like, uh-huh. I- "I'm really glad that's over. I want to go home and get a bath." He probably had so, a fucking speech prepared. Like, how am I going to save her after this? He, did. he was like, I'm so upset I didn't get to see you cross the finish line. And I was like, why? You seen me last year. Like, once you've done that once, what do you want to do it again for? Yeah. But it just felt very much like this is just something that I've been working towards amongst all the other things that I'm working towards. So this isn't the big defining moment. I set the intention. I got the goal brilliant. I literally got home and I think I texted you and said, right, this is what I want to set my next goal for. You program for this, you program me for that. Because it wasn't about, oh my God, I've done that. Thank fuck, I'm relieved it's over. I'm buzzing for myself. You should be buzzing for yourself. But I feel like, I don't know, it just feels like I think you get to the point where you do set these big goals, you do set these big outcomes for yourself, but they don't become defining moments anymore. And that that's the real difference is that, the the defining moment for me is how often each day on a minor level am I choosing prioritizing myself and how does that facilitate the things that I want to do instead of oh my god I need to overhaul everything that I'm doing to focus on achieving this one thing that's what makes it so hard yeah listen I think you said something in there as well which I think is very very important to touch on which is not having to overhaul your entire life every time you're working towards a goal, right? So like even from a body composition perspective, like if you've ever got in shape and then you've gained a little bit of weight after you should, you should probably always be maybe five, six weeks worth of dieting away from your prime shape to feel your very best. You're not going to be able to maintain your lowest level of body fat potentially depending on how you want to live your life. It's the exact same thing with performance-based goals. And that's when you know that you've cracked it and you're on the right path because you don't just get straight back to it afterwards, but even if you don't have a goal in place, you know you will at some point. So you don't let the foundations, you don't let the habits, the structures, the routines, the way you approach your life change. Because I've not run like a marathon now in what, like over a year. 
And I know that I'm doing this ultra next year. I know even on the lead up, I will be running marathons as prep, which is fucking mad to even think about. <laughs> I know. So it's that way we are. I knew that there was no immediate long distance endurance based event on the cards between mid last year and what will actually be mid next year. But I never lost sight of making sure that I was always in a position to be able to maybe only have to prep for five, six, seven weeks to still be able to do it. Like I can still go out and run a half marathon, anywhere between a half to 30K and the next day be well recovered, you know, mm. because I keep everything else in place because I'm always thinking about the fact that in the future there is going to be a goal because it's in my DNA now. It's how I live my life. And I said to the guys on Monday night, and we were speaking about this before the the webinar, the webinar, the, the podcast, we do too many things where we talk. I know. <laughs> because we never <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> I basically, I'm like, you want to make sure that you protect yourself at all costs. Like, this is where we've talked about principles before and how your principles basically allow you to live a life that protects you from yourself because it's you that's sabotaging yourself and making poor choices that then lead long-term to your own demise. Like, you end up feeling poorly about yourself, frustrated, embarrassed in situations. And I'll always remember, I was actually, um, I'm not going to name names here, just in case people listen to the podcast, but I was at an event. It wasn't fitness-related, it was just an event back in the day and um I had one of these guys come up to me was giving me the whole oh you know a few years back I used to be like ripped I was 89 kilo I could do 50 pull-ups in a row like looking at me almost trying to be like the alpha male mm. I was like I just said to him I was like so what happened <laughs> <laughs> boom roasted <laughs> Where we were, um, afterwards, we were at a house and there was a pull-up bar. Like, it wasn't actually a drinking event either. So he wasn't even drunk and couldn't even use that as a as an excuse. <laughs> Done four pull-ups. <laughs> right? So, like, what I said to the guys was, do you want to be standing in a situation long-term, having a conversation with someone, that, someone that's living the life that you would love to have lived, but you weren't willing to put the work in in between goals to really prove to yourself that this was a life that you were now living? Because... What gives me the fear a little bit is thinking I know who I am, losing it, then standing with someone and see a, seeing a reflection of who I could have been in someone else, them talking about their success, their accolades, and then you you naturally would go in the defense there. Like you do feel like someone is imposing, you're like, oh my God, that's incredible. How can I play a part in this conversation here? So then you're like, oh, I ran a half marathon that like 10 years ago. And it's mm -hmm. like, okay, um, what have you been doing since then? Yeah, 100%. Like, that is, that is, you should feel embarrassed by it. Like, mm. feel embarrassed if you've had an intention to work on yourself. This doesn't just come down to half marathons or anything. This just comes down to your health, your overall well-being. If you've had an intention to work on yourself and then you've lost it because you've you've let your ego get too large and basically run run your life for you, so much so that you've been distracted and you think that you don't have to keep up things that you do to the same standard when the goals are not in place, then in my opinion, you do deserve to be embarrassed in those situations. Because yeah. as I said at the live event, your breakthrough is in your embarrassment. Sometimes mm -hmm. you need to humble you, which we were also having a conversation about before the podcast. Sometimes yeah. you be humble to go, right, I really need to fucking get myself in order. Yeah, 100%. And I think anytime any time in my life that I've made the decision that actually this needs to stop, I need to take things up a level, there is always an element of, of embarrassment in there. 
the 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 difference for me is it's the it's the debilitating shame that holds people back. And I think when you understand what's brought you to the point that you're at, you recognise that actually the shame a lot of the time is misplaced. A lot of the time people carry shame and guilt for decisions that they made without the recognition that they were doing the best that they could with what they had at that point in time. And I think that what happens is that people become so rooted in that and so consumed by the shame and the guilt that becomes a really familiar state. So so they just live in that perpetual sense of shame and guilt and believe that that's what they deserve to feel. And it fucking breaks my heart because I think that when when I reflect back, I reflect back to what has brought me to this point and how is that going to push me forward? Like when I reflect back now and I attach meaning to things, we were saying this as well, like when I look back on difficult times in my life and difficult situations, it's only once I've got through it and made progress through it that I can look back and attach meaning to it, right? So like I said this to people, I say this to people all the time now, last year was truly probably one of the hardest years in my whole life, right? Like honestly, grim, right? However, externally, it was also a fantastic year. I achieved a lot of things, right? But internally, psychologically, I was in the fucking trenches, right, for the entire year. As well, you know, you're on the end of quite a lot of it, right? Exactly. Fucking dra- dragging me through the mud. So it's only now that I dedicated this year, my intention for this year, shock horror in October, I'm still upholding my intention that I set for the year, which was to take back time to focus only on myself. Like, so I'm still upholding that intention and intentionally spending that time to focus on improving myself. It's only now that I can reflect, now that I've made progress with that, that I can reflect back on the year previous and say, this is where I was going wrong. This is what was holding me back. And this is where I have to consistently do the work to now go forward. We only ever attach meaning to things in hindsight. And I think what happens and what blocks quite a lot of people is they spend so much time trying to attach meaning to things in the present and understanding what does this mean? Why is this getting in my way? Why is this so difficult? You have to fucking let go of why because you know what? You've not yet yet earned the right to understand why. 100%. Right? You will only know why once you've taken action to get through it and you can look back with a rational mind when you're experiencing heightened emotion when your like your conscious brain will be impaired by roughly about 60% right your ability to think is fucked when you're experiencing high stress high emotion really really strong emotions like shame like guilt they're going to put a huge filter in how you interpret information that even if you're doing well you're still going to think that you're a fucking useless piece of shit right So no matter what you're doing at that point in time, you're going to struggle to attach meaning to that. And I think that's why it's so important to have people who can support you to default to baseline minimum standards and say, do this until the clouds part. I say this to people all the time, like focus on only doing X, Y and Z until the clouds part. When the clouds part, we see a bit of sun coming through, then we can start to theorise and understand what went on here? What was help holding me back? What needed to change? When you're in the fucking trenches, you can't really do that. And I think I think that's probably, I feel incredibly grateful to have had you and the team, Paul, like all the people who have supported me who could just say, just do this and you will be okay. <laughs> because at that point, I couldn't really make decisions for myself because I couldn't fucking think. 
Like, so I had to delegate decision making to people who could think, like you say all the time, to people who could think more intelligently than me to the, to now where I can think clearer. And I'm like, right, okay, I know that I can guide myself to apply this information because I'm in a clearer headspace to think. And I think that for people who define themselves so much on those past achievements and what I used to do, you need to underst- ask yourself, why am I telling myself that this isn't relevant to me in the here and now? Like, what is it that's changed in my sense of self that I'm separating those two people? Because you're still the same person, you're just doing different things. And I almost see, like, that pedestal syndrome from a lot of people who place themselves still after they've achieved a particular goal. So that's where the kind of guilt and shame comes from, because they're like, well, other people now see me as this person, but I know I'm not doing it behind closed doors. So I'm just going to hide because I can't show up with the same level of, of, of accolades that I've achieved for myself in the past, which isn't the best way to go about it. Like how many conversations have I spoke to you about that I've had recently with people that have really just been struggling because they're saying, I feel like I should have my shit together by now. And I'm like, why do you think I still have coaches in my life? Now, in, no, 10 plus years down the line, because I need people to support me and whatever I've done to get to where I am now needs to continue to happen for me to get further. And I've actually said in probably about five check-ins this week to people that they need to remember that most people in the fitness industry will either teach you or mentor you, right? They'll kind of tell you what to do and it's all leading towards a particular goal. But when it actually comes to the art of coaching, yes, we do need to mentor people and teach them sometimes and just tell them what really needs to be done, as you said, just so that they have clear action steps. But coaching, for you to be able to think for yourself and overcome these issues in the future, you need to engage in the coaching process. And that is not just focused around one particular outcome. So you're not just coming to a fitness coach, for example, for the outcome of looking a particular way or performing a particular way if it's a good one, (laughs) Um, it should be that you can be coached through several different scenarios to get the outcomes that you need from each scenario. So as you said, like when people are surviving, what usually happens in a normal health and fitness journey is someone's perception is, I should be working towards the result here. Guilt, shame, I'm just going to leave the program, I'm just going to give up on myself, when that shouldn't be the case at that point. And coaches should do a better job at framing that to their clients and reminding them of that fact. And it's why I've had the conversation a few times this week, because I'm like, if you guys are struggling with something, our job right now is not to coach you towards the, the goal that you came here for, it's to coach you towards a goal that you need for yourself and your well-being right now that's going to that's going to be like a vehicle to get you there long term and if we are able to coach you through that you can then long term coach yourself through a similar situation in the future that's what builds the instinct and the intuition of what you need at any given time and i even said what you said earlier on about the, the fact that your, your your ability to think on a rational level is so is so dysfunctional when you're stressed like one of our clients is like a multi-six-figure business owner he's probably really bad at delegating things out and I had to have that conversation around coaching with him. So he sent me probably the longest message he's ever sent me. And I sent him back a message and I was like, you have to remember, we're not just coaching you towards the goal. We can coach you because the coaching process never changes towards issues in your business, issues with your beliefs, issues within your relationships and so on and so forth. And then I I started asking some questions and lead him down a particular direction. And when he started to then engage in that process and in that conversation, far beyond what he perceived we were only here for, it measured me back and was like, you've just blown my fucking mind. You know what yeah. I mean? Someone who on the surface you'd think would be incredibly intelligent, should have all the answers, being blown away by a guy 30 plus years younger than him. <laughs> right? And it's because it's that coaching process. So 
there's obviously issues with coaches here that don't coach properly, but there's also problems with clients that don't understand that really good quality coaching means that you need to engage in it for whatever the goal needs to be at any given time for you, even if that goal at the time isn't the goal that you came to the programme or the process for. 100%, because coaching's not about the context, right? Like the, the science and the art of coaching is focused on coaching the person using, I mean, we use like neuroscience-backed tools to coach people through the process, but the context is like it's not relevant like I said this to um, coaches that I work with is that like I used to coach a guy who was a rocket scientist like and I know sweet fuck all about building rockets right but that was actually my biggest advantage because if I knew about how to build fucking rockets I would be adding context therefore my bias my viewpoints my opinions which a lot of the time in the coaching process is not relevant Health and fitness coaching is a hybrid model. So there are times for mentoring and teaching, but a lot of the time in coaching is about helping you to understand how you apply that information to yourself. And I think something that people don't recognize so much about coaching is that our job is not to facilitate our job is not to facilitate or create the change for you, right? Our job is to increase your help you to increase your self-awareness to start to change the way that you think, to start to change the things that you believe that then influences the way that you act. And our job is to plant seeds and pieces of information that challenge your perspective and offer you a different one, offer you a different stream of thought on the same situation. We hold up a mirror and say, can you actually see this happening? And you go, shit, I didn't recognize that because we are looking at it through a different set of eyes, through an objective lens that's where the beauty of coaching comes from but you also have to be willing to engage with that different perspective even if you don't believe that it's true and I think this is where a lot of people come up against difficulty in coaching is that when they're offered a different perspective they go nope that's not true nah that's not right I know me and that's actually not correct and it's like but this is an objective standpoint so you don't get to decide whether my objective standpoint is right or wrong and I don't get to decide whether yours is right or wrong either I'm here to offer you a different perspective on this situation that you see and you can choose to accept that or you can choose not to right and this is this is the challenge that comes in I think for a lot of people with coaching is that it's not just about applying information, but actually understanding how do I interpret this and how do I start to think about interpreting it a different way from a different perspective. And I can remember, like, after I, obviously, like, I went through, like, weight loss, regaining weight, if it were as simple as the application of information, I would never have regained any weight, right? If all I needed was information then that's that, that would have been fine. I wouldn't have needed you. I wouldn't have needed anybody. I could have just applied the information to myself and went on with it. But if we were all able to consume and apply information, surely to God you wouldn't be coming up against the same struggles time and time and time again, right? This is where a lot of coaches fall down. It's where a lot of clients fall down because it's it's not just about the consistent application of information because then you could just go and read a fucking book and watch a YouTube video and you would never need a coach. So th- this, is the, this is the difference is coaching is about understanding the nuances of a person helping you to understand what makes you you and how you apply the information that's relevant to you. That That's that's a key part of it. And I think like when you look at even just going through like going through that process again 
and looking at how I apply the information now differently on the basis of how the way I think, believe and act has changed. So you take the same information, but you apply it in a different way because you think differently, you behave differently. You should always be in that constant evolution. And if you're trying to do the same thing, apply the same information, go back to the same place, it's not going to work. Aye. Oh, you, you couldn't be more right. And I think it actually stops people from exploring developing like accountability for themselves i think people have a lack of of willingness when it comes to wanting to take responsibility for themselves like how many people do we hear talk to us about i just need to kick up the arse i just need to get a bit of motivation back like these things around me have been the problems and i understand that circumstances sometimes can be difficult and they can they can plagiarize you a little bit but at the same time there's only so long that you can blame the life that you are choosing to live for the problems that you are currently experiencing like I get if you're going through a difficult time like imagine you were moving house or your kids are sick or you've got a really sick close member of your family I understand that but you can only live a life that you're not happy with for so long before you start to take responsibility for how you could have done things differently and I think a question that we often get asked about ourselves is like how do you guys operate on the levels that you do with your work and your and your relationships and your home life with your performance as consistently as you can and it's because we take that time to reflect and we can make the dots well and through that we've got intuition we do have instinct We've got a good relationship with ourselves. We understand why things are cropping up in our minds and how much truth is in them and how much truth is not in them. And we can then start to make better decisions for ourselves and we can push and we can pull in the most appropriate areas. And we realize that a lot of the poor habits that we have are triggered by particular types of things. So when we are triggered, we have systems in place to avoid having to engage in those habits because we turn to something else. People just think, People just think it's all about crushing a particular goal, then on to the next goal, then on to the next goal. But as you'll have seen and heard from what we've discussed, people never usually get to that second or third goal because they're not doing these things in between. And they're not they're not growing from a from an intelligent standpoint, emotionally and also cognitively. And it's it's something that I think we're probably biggest on, which is the responsibility and the ownership for your situation. Like I don't really think anything changed for me in my life until I took responsibility for things that maybe even just weren't my fault. But I was like myself in that situation. And I and I chose to be there and I chose to do that. And I chose to start a relationship with that person or hang around with those folk and so on and so forth. I was like, and, it, and it's not blaming myself. It's not the shame. It's not the guilt. It's just like, if you get good at taking responsibility and saying, that's the part I played, but I'm going to make sure I don't do that again. Yeah, It's acceptance. It's pure acceptance and obviously spoke about that at the live event, but also spoke about it on the last podcast I released when you were on holiday around the acceptance of the relationship I had with my dad. And I think you came over when me and my dad were crying over each other at my wedding. because I did because it was like coming up for the last song and Joanne was looking for you and I was like, right, I'll go and find them. And I was I was like, I don't want to interrupt this like father-son bonding moment. But obviously I also don't want to stand here as a fucking spectator. Like, so I don't know what to do. I was pure like, I know you're having a moment, but like it's the last fucking song. So you better move your ass. <laughs> and- I was just talking about how like through that acceptance it's then led to like us having a better relationship because I wasn't needing anything from him. And I've been back home now, what, twice since the wedding? And my dad couldn't be any further up Mars. You know what I mean? <laughs> the relationship we have now is so much better because that was down to me accepting it. It was me taking responsibility, not holding a grudge or like blaming the cards of his deal or 
or feeling as though I should feel shame and guilt for the things that I had done, like when I was younger, to him in retaliation. I didn't want to play this fucking cat and mouse game any longer. I just wanted to accept it, move on, and understand how I could grow as a result of it and how that could benefit other people in my life to be able to do the same. Because I know that if I can act like that, my dad can see it. We can have a conversation like that. That's going to give him a little bit of enlightenment as to how he can change. And the older he's getting and the more like we do have a better relationship, I can actually see him become a kinder person. I can see him be more... I can see him be more interested. He's actually less reactive. He's less, he's less um, of a dick to be around. Yeah. So everyone has the power to be able to change everything about their life. Like, but it comes down to your ability to reflect on things that you do for yourself and how you can gain from that. And it's something that people, I don't think it's something people don't understand how to do it. They just use that as an excuse not to do it. Because I've never been on a fucking journaling course. I've got how to reflect, right? You just start to look at situations and you start to be like, okay, well, what could I have done differently there? What part did I have to play there? What from that scenario does this tell me about choices I can make in the future? And I shared on um, social media the other day about my relationship with alcohol over the years and how I kind of mended myself, which mended my relationship with alcohol. But then that night back in like 2000 and maybe 19, where I got attacked by the brick and almost had like my, my skull caved in and later got classes as per- permanently disfigured. Um, I was already an ugly bastard before then, just, just to fucking heat. <laughs> but like, I remember reacting after that and being like, I feel so sorry for people that could feel like they could do that to someone else. But I also took the lesson of like, I've done so much to get away from drinking. Is this now a lesson that's telling me I probably don't really have a place for alcohol in my life. So I should minimize it. Like almost like, is this a lesson to tell me and to test me on how far I've come and how I would react versus how I used to. But also is it telling me if you keep alcohol out your life and you don't put yourself in these situations, you're destined for bigger and greater things. Like that's the way that you can start to think about it. If you just, if you just choose to reflect, but I think people don't want to look deeper because as you said, they just attach the shame and the guilt. hundred percent. And I think it's, it's a brutal honesty with yourself and it's an acceptance that the thing that you don't think that it is probably is the fucking reason. How many times do we say to people, listen, there's something going on here. See the thing in the back of your mind that you're not talking about, that you're like, could be that, might not be that, but I don't want to talk about that. I've said that like five times in three days. I, so it's it's always going to be the thing that's there. It's always there. You always know what it is, but it's you from disclosing it. I said that to someone recently, like, and I think it's interesting as you reflect on a relationship with your dad, you've let go of the expectation of how it should be and accepted how it is. And when you accept how it is, that allows you to remove the pressure of expectation and almost accept it and learn how to enjoy it for what it is instead of what it could be. And I think that's a huge shift for quite a lot of people because I said this to someone recently. I can remember when... I went through that really tough period and I regained the weight and I can remember not wanting to be honest with you as if you couldn't fucking see. <laughs> right? Somehow I mean, think... I, th- I thought she was just doing like a joy from Friends, like we're like... <laughs> we're mama jumpers. In jackets. I was like, she must be fucking cold. She looks <laughs> different, but she must just be cold. I'm Monica Fatsuit. But um, the, a huge part of that that made it so difficult was that I had to accept... If I had to tell you 
that I was still struggling, I had to accept the reality of it's not some other reason that you want to believe that it is. And it's not these six different hypotheses about what it could be. It's evidence that that thing that you thought was healed actually isn't. So you need to go back to the drawing board and be a beginner again and accept that what you thought was healed actually isn't. And you can continue to... And I can remember feeling like, right, I can just aggressively die and I can just eat a thousand calories a day and I can get it all off dead dead fast and then no one will ever know and it's like I mean if that worked surely surely that would have worked in the past but it was me not wanting to accept the reality of I was facing the same problem again that I thought I had overcome and I think even now when I go through periods of time where I'm like "Mm, that's been a couple of weeks that I've not lost any weight I want to believe and I want to have the expectation that there's some other fucking phantom reason, but I know that the truth will be that I've not been showing up consistently in the way that I normally would. And I, I will ask myself, what is the difficult conversation that I need to have my, with myself right now? I, I, I always get, like when it gets to winter time, I think I've I've got seasonal affective disorder because I used to think that I was just, <laughs> trust me, have you ever seen the Spider-Man meme? But it's like um, my general depression, like situational depression, seasonal depression, and they're all like that. Um, that was obviously me for a very long time. Now that I don't take like medication and my mental health is generally quite well, I really notice it now when it shifts. So I noticed um, like the last couple of weeks or so, I've just not really felt myself, started to feel quite anxious again. And what I would have done previously was like, oh, well, that's it. That's it. It's the big sad. It's fucking winter. It's time to be depressed for two months and eat a bucket of fucking mini cheddars every day until Christmas and start again in January. And that is what I would have done like consistently every single year. What I do now is I'm like, right, okay, I need to accept that this is true. So one, I can't go into denial about the way that I'm feeling. I need to accept the way that I'm feeling. And then I'll sit with a journal, right? And I'll reflect over the last couple of weeks and say, right, when did I notice this start to shift? Probably when I come back from holiday. What could potentially be causing this? That I came from 35 degree weather on holiday, living my best life, to it's fucking wet, miserable, and you need to get back to work, right? So that would be a very normal shift in mood to experience, right? What's potentially causing a general feeling of anxiety. I was making lots of progress with weight loss and it stalled a bit because I've made different choices with food. That then makes me panic. So what does that tell me that I need to do? I need to default to X, Y, and Z because I know that this works. What have I learned from when I've experienced this before? It's short-lived. It's temporary. I normally start to feel different after around 10 days when I do A, B, C, X, Y, Z. The end, (laughs) right? I accept the reality I don't create a different expectation of what will happen based on no fucking data or information that I've ever had before. I create an expectation for here is what is most likely to happen next based on what's happened before. And every single decision that I make from there comes from a place of self-respect. So as someone who respects their mind and body, what's going to be best for me moving forward, right? If I was doing this from a place of perpetuating the anxiety, the sadness, the fear, I would say, just stop eating. Yeah. Do 20,000 steps a day, overtrain, go all in, be a fucking psychopath, don't sleep, and then everything will be better. But that wouldn't work. Or I would go, fuck, sack off a lot of it, right? Eat a whole turkey to yourself, right? That's not going to work either. So 
Say that again. <laughs> well, exactly. It's still a good protein option, right? So I'm using the data from what I've learned to accept my reality and create expectations on the basis of fact and not try to feel my way to an outcome. Because if you're trying to feel your way to the outcome, you're just perpetuating that same cycle over and over and over again. But I don't know how to do this because I'm some sort of fucking mythical creature or expert in this. I know how to do this because I've done it so many times before that my process is slicker and faster and easier to implement than it used to be. You're actually willing to put the time in to do it. Like, how long does that take you? 10, 15 minutes? Really? That. And then you've got it in black and white. And it's not swirling about your head and you're trying to second guess yourself. Because when you feel a particular way and it's starting to get even more overwhelming in your head and you're going, could be this, could be that, I could do this, I could do that, you're not going to make a definitive decision. Like when you write it down, it gives you a far greater sense of accountability on what you have to do and it gives you more certainty and you become more clear. It's like when we see people communicate with us that we know clearly have in journal because they don't know what the fuck the problem is and they can't communicate the problem. So it's like, okay, we are going to have to try and sift through this. But if you were able to just, you know, take time off your phone that you've already told me you sit on for six hours a day, could you do a bit of reflection, understand the problem a bit better and not get overwhelmed by ranting about all this stuff that isn't really something that matters, but instead if you took the time to reflect and understand how you could sift through it and the action you have to take, you would actually be able to overcome the word vomit that you've just given me. 100%. And I think that's what leads people to something that's actually more damaging than life after the goal, and it's the never-ending goal. Yep, yep. Yep. How many people do we see debilitated by the never-ending goal? I know. And that's when they just start to ask themselves, like, can I do this forever? Yep. Can I do this forever? And I'm like, at the same time, 100% yes, you can, because you just keep on doing everything you've done. But it needs the reflection. It needs the part the parts of what you think don't matter, because they're going to matter big time. But also, you can discount the fact that these things are going to serve you as you evolve as a human being because we evolve as human beings, right? Your values change regularly. Your circumstances change regularly. You may get injured, you may get ill. And just on that point, see if you are someone who didn't expect to get ill or injured at some point, especially when you train, get a grip. <laughs> Seriously, you're a fucking human, right? You're a human being, especially if you're on a journey right now to better yourself, you'll still be carrying a lot of stress psychologically and physically from how you were living your life. And then adding more on top of it without maybe getting into complete flow right now of how to manage things, how to manage your habits, how to manage like any shame, guilt you're experiencing. All of these things can actually just lead to injury, you know, because the psychological stress has an impact on physical stress. You're then adding more stress through things like training, cold water exposure, running, like anything performance-based, anything that does increase stress on the body from a physical standpoint. And then anything could just tip you over the edge. Overtraining as a distraction could just tip you over the edge. You could get injured. Um, so you need to understand that these things will serve you as you continue to evolve because everything will be changing. So even though you might not be still running half marathons and marathons. You might not be doing performance-based fitness challenges as, as regularly as you would have when things didn't change. You still need to have the baseline understanding that you can take care of yourself between the goals because there's going to be a, at a time in your life where the goals aren't going to be able to be present, you know? And I wouldn't really say there's a fucking... I wouldn't say that there's a never-ending goal because... The goal, as a result of what I've just said, the goalposts are always shifting. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wish like I'm not sitting here saying the never ending goal of mine is to be able to maintain a six pack for 40 years. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the never ending goal. The never ending goal is how can I continue to improve my awareness, my intelligence? How can I showcase and develop more resilience, more discipline? How can I continue to be open-minded and curious and try new things and allow myself to be a beginner again? Like, they are the goals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. because they are, they are life principles that are distinctly attached to your vision and how you find meaning and purpose in what you do in a day-to-day. And I think the challenge is that with people who are continually trying to achieve a never-ending goal, they don't want to accept that they no longer give a fuck about it. And I, and I watch people do this all the time. You, sorry, on you go. I'm going to say, this is why people stay in fat loss phases for as long as they do. It's ridiculous. Put the words right out of my mouth. Put the words right out of my mouth. Because I remember last year you saying to me, you need to accept that this isn't a priority to you right now, which was so alien to me as someone whose weight has been a priority to them for over half of their life, right? Uh, that was such an alien concept to me that there would be a point in my life where fat loss wasn't actually a priority. And actually, in all honesty, still isn't really a huge priority to me. It's a part of the overall picture and it's a byproduct of my other priorities. But that in itself is no longer the thing that I am most focused on. And that's half liberating and half terrifying. Because although having this constant perceived sense of control around it, I've seen somebody, you know the TikTok trend about the Roman Empire? You must have seen it. I know you're not TikTok, but you must know about it. No, I know about it because Joanne asked me. So I was just about to say she must have asked you. How often do you think about the Roman Empire? Two times a week. So really? I right, but I, I gave my reasoning for it. So she was videoing me and I never realized I was making food. She asked me, she was like, How often do you think about the Roman Empire? And I was like, fucking really random question. I was like, um, a couple of times a week. So she starts fucking howling lying on the couch, like rolling around. She's like, Why do you think about it? And I was like, why are you laughing? Why are you even asking that question? I was like, are you filming me? She's like, is this thing in TikTok? Like, I can't believe you think about the Roman Empire. And I was like, well, look at it from this perspective. Like, I do live my life very philosophically. So I think about Marcus Aurelius and Seneca and all of these sorts of people regularly. But I also think it's kind of in our DNA. And it's where we kind of all came from because they conquered the world. So fucking mental. You cannot justify it to me. It's fucking mental that men are thinking about the Roman Empire several times a week. It's fucking weird. In court, me and Connor uh, started texting about it after because he, she, Joanne texts Connor asking, and Connor's my best man for anyone that, that doesn't know, texts him asking how many times you think about the Roman Empire. Then he texts me and done, is Joanne asking you about the Roman Empire? And by the way, do you think about it a few times a week at all? <laughs> <laughs> but then Steven. there's a wee brother and a wee brother done what the fuck's that silence <laughs> 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 uh, so when I asked Polly was like literally never right and I was like you must have some there must be something else and I was like what else is he interested in and I says how how often do you think about the mafia and he was like oh every single day every <laughs> single day and I was like, there you go, that's his Roman Empire. And then I asked my brother-in-law, who's also called Paul, and he was like, no, nah, I never think about that, never think about that. And my sister said to him, like, what do you spend a lot of time thinking about? And he, I can't even remember what it was. It was He's a tattoo artist, so it was some sort of, like, fucking yeah. French art thing or something like that. And he was like, oh, yeah, every single day. And I'm like, see, everybody has their own Roman Empire, right? 
So anyway, the point of that story was um, there was a lassie, I seen a lassie on TikTok saying like, for every single woman I've asked, although they've not recognised that she's like being skinnier as my Roman Empire. She was like, I couldn't tell you a day in my life that has that hasn't gone by since I was like a teenager that I haven't thought about being skinnier. And I'm like, fucking hell, that is so true and also so fucking sad. And just goes to show you that even if something is such a dominant thought process about what you should be doing, should be doing, should be doing, see if you're not fucking doing it. It's probably not that important to you. Like, even if it once held a huge part of importance, there comes a point where you might want to achieve the same thing, right? But you need to find new meaning and purpose for it and remove it as your sole focus. Because if it being your sole focus was helpful, you would have fucking achieved it by now. Like, if you cared about it that much, you would have achieved it by now. There's something telling you, there's something sitting within you that says this isn't actually that important to me. So find what's more important now. And when I talk to people a lot of time about always being in that never-ending goal, I need to just get this done way. I need to just get to this point. And I'm like, you're missing the point completely because if you need to just get that done and get to that point and get that over and done way, you're in that can I do this forever phase instead of how do I do this forever and when I talk to people who have that big drop off of big drop off after the goal, it's not the goal itself that holds significance. It was the way that they were living their life that they miss. And the reason that they miss it is because when they were living their life that way, there was meaning and purpose to it. There was a definitive end goal, end date that they were held accountable to for achieving this. The difference with fat loss is that there's not always that thing. And when people do achieve it, it's because there's been a definitive end date goal, right? That they've got there, done it, but they've been so focused and I can't wait to get this out of the way. They've not actually thought about how do I make this a sustainable way to live instead of how do I get this over and done with as fast as I fucking possibly can to then just go back to the same place you started. Yeah, but all costs as well. So it's like I'll do it. To just to get over and done with and I would actually argue how much you want it then if you actually wanted to be over with in the yep. first place like yep. you know what I mean it's like the people that always get the best results with us when it comes to fat loss for example are the people that are not rushing to get there because they understand that they will get there and they're just enjoying the process and it's do you know sometimes we have these conversations right and I feel like we give people such good shit that when I use things from the fitness industry that are like 10 year old like enjoy the process it's the process <laughs> well that's shite <laughs> Say that that's a fucking shy bad part. Um, but it's so true though, because they're like, Well, I'm gonna lose this weight as I'm creating a life for myself that I want to live. I'm not gonna let my life be impacted by this particular goal, but instead find a way where both of them can work simultaneously. And it means that when I get to the final goal, I've not been so goal focused that I stop doing everything else that I need to be doing because I'm actually in love with the growth and the development and all of that sort of stuff as a person. And going back to what you said before about your Roman empire being thinking about like being thinner and fat loss for me, probably for the last few years, it's been about the size I used to be. Cause I used mm. to, and in the back of my head, I'm always like, oh, I really want to go into a pure muscle building phase and bulk to like a hundred kilo shed down to about 90 kilo where I used to sit but it's not that important to me. That's why I don't speak about it. That's why I don't bring it up. That's why I don't go to my coach and moan and be like, oh, I'm no 90 kg anymore. Like, I want to get there, but then don't do the shit behind it. You know what I mean? Because I know if I go and say that to someone, deep down somewhere, I don't want to do it. So they'll be like, okay, we'll put a plan together. Then they're, they're just going to say to me, why are you not doing what, what we're asking you to do to get to that stage? Because I don't really fucking care. But 
I love the process of that back then. And sometimes it's quite easy to feel still very, very connected to that. But I found new purpose because going through that process before, it gave me so much. But what I do now gives me even more. Yeah. And you're always going to be tied to things that are familiar to you. I think we actually spoke about this at Monday's Open Office again this week, that people will just default to fat loss and that never-ending goal and put themselves back into fat loss phases because it's just so familiar. Mm-hmm. And they just stay there. And yeah. for me, I'm like, I can't imagine staying in the one position and not evolving. Yeah, That's a big part of the problem anyway. It's just that you're not evolving at all. And we obviously introduced the new framework into the program and it's the industry's first ever psychological and physical-based competency framework. And I had to say to our clients, like, you're missing out on so much information in the next phase of your life because you're not getting to where you need to be building the life that you want for yourself so that you're in the best possible environment to get the best out of the next level (laughs) and the next stage. Because how incredible, if you're living a life and you've worked towards your goals and and your life is conducive to the way you want to feel, your values, the way you want to look, the way you want to operate, behave, all of that sort of stuff, why would you not want to get to a place where you can just go even further? Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You can't just will yourself to the next level and go, well, fuck it, I want to be there now, so I've just decided that I'm there. Please. hundred percent. It's like, actually, when we work with coaches, it's like coaches kind of do the same thing. So it's like, oh, well, I've done all my hours on the gym floor now, and I kind of want to become a, an online personal trainer, so I just expect to get loads of clients, even though they're not great at building relationships online. They don't really have the right systems in place. They... they they think that they should charge more than they're actually worth because in this day and age, it's like online coaching is very expensive in comparison to gym floor coaches. So this is what I should be charging. When really, do you have the background? Do you have the expertise? Do you have the fucking personality <laughs> for people to to want to invest in you first and foremost and pay you that sort of money? It can be like that in so many di- different situations and scenarios now. And I think people do try and mold themselves to a place that they shouldn't really be in. Yeah. Well, they actually are there and this is where people actually need to be humbled so it's like you think you're there okay go out try it be my guest yeah but i'm going to be here to pick up the pieces when you fall because i know you're going to fall 100 <laughs> percent, and accepting as well that there's no ideal like time frame like just because you've decided that you want to achieve this goal within six months doesn't mean that that just happens that way like i've been actively on this journey for four fucking years and I've still got things that I'm not finished with yet. And I'm never probably going to be finished because that's fucking boring. Do you know what I mean? Like, when you think about I say this to women all the time who are like, oh, I've been doing this for months and I've not seen any results. And I'm like, the beliefs that you have of yourself have been created and reinforced over 20, 25, 30 years of your life. They're not going to be eradicated in six months. And I think, see, when you can accept that, this isn't necessarily about having a never-ending goal that you're not ever attached, like that you're not ever attached to or that you're never actually achieving, right? But accepting that I'm not going to put a dead set time frame on this so that I see that on the 29th of July I'm going to wake up and feel like a new person, right? There should be time bound. Like one of the biggest things that I was taught when I trained as an accredited coach was making sure that clients' outcomes are time bound and time focused, that there are clear milestones and they are paced to the next milestone to achieve the outcome, right? But that doesn't mean that the feeling gets delivered in the post once you've achieved the outcome, right? 
the the feelings, the state of mind, the core beliefs, the sense of self, the identity that you're nurturing. You don't wake up one day and go, fuck, I'm that different person now. You reflect back and go, wow, look how I approach that differently. And that's the thing that makes the difference. You can reflect back over to something you did last year and say, look at how different the approach is. Look at how different the beliefs are. Look at how different the actions are now. That's how you reflect on progress and see if you're only reflecting your progress to say, oh my God, I'm only half a stone lighter than I was last year. Then you've completely missed the fucking point. My God, 100% missed the fucking point. And it's funny because we'll get a lot of people that will say, well, I want to improve my mindset. I want to get in great shape. Like I want to do everything. But at the same time, they won't reflect. Mm-hmm. And well, you cannot improve your mindset because your mindset's going nowhere to go if you don't have any awareness to go to a new place. 100%. I said this to folk and it was Monday night, I was doing a training and I said to them, you expect the same outcomes in your mindset as you do with the physical without taking the time to dedicate to it. I said, because every single day, You'll dedicate yourself to doing your steps and tracking your calories and going to the gym and you can reflect back over a week and say, here are all the commitments I've made to my physical progress this week. Can you do the same thing for your psychological process? Can you fuck? Because the only time that you make the decision to develop your mindset is when you feel like shit. So you download a self-help book and Audible or you go and listen to a diary of a CEO podcast and think that all of a sudden that's going to make everything better. You need to make the same commitment to creating the evidence for the growth in that area if you want to see growth in that area like you don't just get to decide that actually I want to feel differently so I'll read this book and then my life will change you need to make the same commitment to the actions to produce the evidence that you want to see because the thing is those 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 goals and those outcomes and that evidence are not tangible in the same way that weight loss goals are for example or performance-based goals like they don't show on a scale they don't show on your fucking Strava, you know, like they need to come through reflection. They, they do. And people do need to get better at it. And there's been so many people that I've worked with over the years that will just say, oh, I hate when you ask me these questions. I'm like, I bet it's important, right? You might not see it now because you're progressing well just now and you've overcome so much. And I'll always still praise them because I'm like, you have done incredibly well, but I need to make sure that you're able to support yourself long term. That is why we're here, because I know that I can facilitate a result for you, right? Very fucking easy or help you facilitate a result. But I want to make sure that you're you're well aware that you can do this long-term because you're thinking for yourself. You're not relying on me to ask you these questions to find the answers. You can prove to me that you can find your own answers. 100%. It, 100%. It's a, it's a lifestyle. <laughs> not for a life that you always want to live, not a life that you just need to fucking achieve things to be okay with. 100%. 100%. Well, we're going to round off there. Hopefully you enjoyed the first one back in a couple of weeks. As, as, yeah, we've been storing it all up. No, I know. We, we could have definitely probably went for like two hours there, so we'll just leave some of this stuff until next time. Tune in <laughs> next week for the rest, for part two. 100%. Well, guys, over now for me and Jen. We'll speak to you very soon, and we hope you have an incredible week. Bye.